Support the Bartholomew Town Podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, I sit down with Pawtucket, Rhode Island Mayor Don Grebian. The city of Pawtucket, Rhode Island sits in the northern portion of the state on the Massachusetts border, ostensibly serving as a transition point between the urban Providence metro area and the rural northwest region. The city has a storied history, often connected to the Blackstone River, which flows mightily through Pawtucket, once powering Samuel Slater and others' industrial revolutions. But in recent months, Pawtucket has seemingly been dealt a series of unfortunate industrial and economic development blows, none more prominent than the Boston Red Sox AAA affiliate, currently and historically known as the Paw Sox, announcing their departure from the city to Worcester, Massachusetts, following a years-long battle between local, state, and team leaders over a new stadium agreement. In the teeth of the Paw Sox fiasco was Pawtucket Mayor Don Grebian, who proved himself to be a champion for a city in his attempts to collectively organize a solution to keep the team in Pawtucket. Although he was ultimately unsuccessful in constructing such a deal, and Pawtucket still faces other concerning economic development issues, during our conversation that you will hear in a matter of moments, Mayor Grebian presented an optimistic, if not excited, perspective sharing ideas that hinted that Pawtucket may well be positioning itself to once again be a city of innovation in areas ranging from housing, healthcare infrastructure, business relations, and community development approaches. It was always clear to me that Don Grebian loved his city, and hearing his backstory only further cemented that notion to me. Stay up to date on all the latest Bartholomew Town podcast programming and events. Of course, I'll have new episodes of the pod for you each and every Tuesday and Friday. But there's also all kinds of other stuff going on, like our Elmwood Songwriters Club right here at The Loft on February 16th. Follow me on Instagram at Bartholomew Town Podcast. Okay, I've been looking forward to this one for a minute. From The Loft in Providence, Pawtucket Mayor Don Grebian. Bill, thank you for having me. Great to be here. So, and it's nice to get out of Pawtucket once in a while too. So it's great to be here. <laughs> We're kind of in a, a Pawtucket-esque building right Absolutely. here. Absolutely. We're just talking about that. It's a beautiful building. You know, uh, this is the type of space that everybody's looking for in today's world. Uh, I laugh. You know, we're talking about it, the age difference a little bit, but it's great space, and I appreciate you taking the time and allowing me to be here and uh, have me out there and people uh, to your listeners. So thank you. You know, I tell you honestly two things, right? And I know is one, my wife keeps me grounded. She keeps me in line, right? And so does the family and my, but growing up, I, just like everybody else, you know, I mean, I grew up, grew up, uh, my mom and dad were divorced at a young age. So we always fought our way through it. You know, nothing has been hand delivered. You earn it. And then you respect everybody. And it's hard. We were talking about that with the times. It's hard. But, you know, in today's times to respect people, but it's really respectful. And I appreciate those kind words. And it's me. You know, I tell everybody, I put my pants on the same way everybody does, right? And uh, so I 
I'm no different than anybody else. And you keep that, you know, that humbleness if you can and worked in a factory myself. So I get that grassroots stuff and never forget where you came from. So. Absolutely. So what is your backstory? How did you become mayor of Pawtucket? Uh, well, so quick story. You tell yeah. me when I'm going too long. Uh, <laughs> is, you know, born and raised in Pawtucket. Uh, my mom and dad, like I said, young age. Uh, my teenagers, they got divorced and, you know, they went their separate ways. And, you know, both great parents, both good ones. My dad passed away a year or so ago. Mom's still with us. And grew up in Pawtucket. And, you know, as a young kid, uh, you know, went to the Pawtucket schools, uh, you know, did grammar school at Nathaniel Green, went to Slater Junior High School. And at that high school level, I knew that um, a career was more of where I wanted to be. And so didn't go to the, the Shea High School, which I should have gone to. I went to a trade school. I went to Davies Vocational, Voc Tech, wanted to do culinary and went my path on culinary. But as a young kid, um, got involved in politics with passing out pamphlets, you know, having the pizza parties, right, you know, getting involved and realized that I really like people. Um, I, I try to be as respectful as I can. Don't get me wrong, Bill. I have a day or two, you know, and my <laughs> wife gets me back in line like we all do. Right. But really respecting people and understanding that building those relationships um, is important. And I liked the aspect of the campaign. I liked being the door-to-door, you know, passing out. And again, as a young kid. So I knew that was where I think I've learned, you know, that where my experience came from. Like I said, you know, went on to Davies, uh, then went on to CCRI later on and, and worked, met my wife, uh, Laureen, and we have two beautiful children. I was saying to you, uh, my daughter Alexa is 19 and our son Connor is uh, 17. Connor's at Tolman and Alexa's at CCRI now. And, you know, met my wife at, through catering, you know, hard work. We both worked for a catering company in the food business, um, you know, and I'm sure you're well aware we were talking about, you know, you do what you have to to get along and it's tough. And so, uh, you know, kept meeting people, understanding that, you know, it was great to be involved. The catering was a local catering company, did a lot of things around Pawtucket, so I never left. And building those relationships. And, you know, so somewhere in that point, you know, my drive was is that I wanted to make the place, the city, I should say, better than what we came from. I wanted to, knowing that I struggled, do you want to make it easier for your children and others? And I like the people part. So I, I moved on and uh, got involved. I ran for, uh, was appointed, I should say, first on a ward committee in the city of Pawtucket. Um, the fifth ward, uh, where I was renting my first apartment, and um, then got involved, ran for re-election. I ran for uh, on the ward committee because I was appointed a vacancy and then elected, and uh, you know kept involved, enjoyed it, got to know people and build a relationship. And there is an energy that comes from working with people, right? There is that life and that excitement from um, you know a campaign as well as doing the job. Uh, ran for council uh, early '90s, uh, and. Um, uh, mid-90s, I should say, and uh, lost my first election with a special council uh, election involved in the Woodlawn section of Pawtucket. Um, was very involved in the Little Leagues. The, uh, we had some of the Cape Verdean groups, the, the Portuguese groups, the community centers, and those type of th- things, very involved. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the people part. Uh, kept involved. Um, ended up running in um, uh, early uh, 2000s uh, to, for council at large. And uh, there was an open seat, ran. I was elected, uh, served on the council uh, for 11 years. Uh, was elected two years, a two-year cycle in Pawtucket. And uh, loved, again, serving the people. 
had the you know the bug in the stomach, you will, the aspirations, want to be mayor. Um, and and the reason I want to be mayor is I had a young family. Um, I worked for American Insulated Wire at the time. I got out of food service and uh, went into private industry and uh, started out like everybody else in the warehouse. Worked my way up, uh, uh, not only through my education but also uh, through my work ethic at the company. And uh, ended up working for the uh, supply chain manager, being assistant was warehouse manager, uh, distribution manager. Manager and you know, got to see a lot of the country and involved in American Slater Wow as a local business. So, you know, doing that and you know, kept involved. And then the opportunity became that I was served 11 years on the council, I uh, had served two years as council president, and we were going through a lot. It was the recession at the time, and a lot of the things that were happening in government. Um, were not the same things that were happening in private industry. And private industry, you know, I could, you know, myself included, we were taking furlough days and we were having the cuts and we were doing everything we can. You know, we were paying more for medical. And, was, and then serving on the council, there was a lot of the, still the continue, continuation of, uh, you know, great percentages and increases, you know, budget increases, tax increases, and going into um, what they felt was needed at the time. But I just wasn't comfortable with that knowing, the, and I always call it the real world versus the government. Um, so I ran against Mayor Doyle, who has since passed away. God rest his soul. Uh, great, great man. Uh, you know, cared about our community, was involved in our community. But we're two, always say it, uh, two ends of the pendulum. You know, he was at his back nine. I was at my front nine. And, you know, as a young kid, you think you know everything, right? And, you know, you're doing those things. So ran, uh, ran as an independent uh, for many different reasons. And, um, you know, but an independent Democrat. And ran against him in, in a, a presidential election, came very close within 1,100 votes um, of the, you know, th- at the time was probably like 17,000 voters. Uh, so it was a good, close election. And, uh, you know, I stayed involved and I knew I was going to run again. You know, I, it was enough to keep me involved and know that I had the opportunity. And two years later, Mayor Doyle uh, um, uh, retired. Then that was 2010, uh, ran again uh, against the city council president at the time. I had been out for two years, you know, not on the city council. Ran, and uh, fortunately, I've been, I just was elected to my fifth term um, this past November. And so enjoying the job, I said. So that's the the history of it. Um, you know, having served on the council, I think it gave me a lot of balance. Having the private industry and background gave me that. Um, you know, there's a lot of empathy. It's it's value. But it really comes down to dollars and quality of life for people. It's, you know, and I don't mean to make it sound more simple, Bill, but it's simple. It's it's taking care of people that deserve and work hard, right, and balance, right? Government's always going to grow and expenses, you know, just like our home budgets do. But how do you balance that and how do you give back? So that's the history and how I've gotten there. And I thought I was, you know, knew everything when I got there until I, you know, entered the office and went, you know, the head started spinning. And you really see uh, and have much more respect for those that have been there before you, you know. Sometimes as a legislature, I was a part-time legislator, you think you know, you know, and what you're going through. And, you know, they clearly have perspective and ideas and, and, and important impacts in the neighborhoods. Uh, but you don't know until you sit here how many different facets you're actually dealing with. Right, especially on the municipal level where it's really – it's so humanized. You know, the distance is not there, if you will, that you get at even the state level. You know what I mean? You're, you're bound and, and liable to see your constituents on a daily basis face-to-face. And, and that's – I mean that, that, that truly is – and I say I always go back to that. That was what drew me into uh, the government. It was being able to help people and get to 
have relationships with folks. Uh, that's the part I enjoy the most. There are times, you know, when you're out with the family, sometimes it's hard and somebody has an emergency or they have a situation and they have some FaceTime with the mayor and, you know, and, and I've always been open arms and respectful. It's my job, right? Um, you know, as the kids that were younger, they didn't understand it. Now that they're sitting at their teenagers, they start to understand there is that, you know, importance and, you know, to that person and to that individual uh, is is insignificant as the issue may be. It's a priority to them, and you need to make sure that you're responding. And what we've I've always learned and tried to do is be totally honest, right? You know, try to get through the issue if there's a way that you can fi- uh, find a common ground to solve the issue. Sometimes there's just unreasonable expectations from folks, and you can't deliver, and you need to be honest and, you know, tell them, listen, I can't. Um, and so... You know, you are on the ground, you know, you're in the restaurants every day or, you know, in the market or, you know, the neighborhood stores and people see you. And it, um, you know, it, it is overwhelming at times, right. um, you know, but it is, you know, they, it, there's a lot of respect um, and, and you just got to keep your head level because you, you yeah. can see how others may tend to float out and inflate their, their personalities, if you will, and <laughs> yeah. lose that you still have to deliver, right? It's about, right. you know, it's about keeping the streets as safe as you can. We know these are difficult times. You know, we're investing in our police and our fire and, you know, the plowing, the trash pickup. It's those quality of life issues that do matter. And, you know, you do your best and you bring the most qualified people in that you can bring, you know. And, again, governmental jobs, especially on the local level, um, there are – it's costly. I mean, there is – there's a cost that comes to that. There's taxpayers' dollar. Um, you want to always remember that. So it's not – you know, it might not be your money, but treat it like it's your money. Um, and, you know, it's getting those services done as much as you can. You know, there's a simple zoning issue. Um, you know, there's a lot of disputes between neighbors, and you try to build those relationships with folks. You know, the trees overhanging my property and, you know, the, the leaves are dropping on my car to, you know, uh, to some of the most tragic – things that we've dealt with you know we've had you know we have murders in the city at times and you know and we you know there's been police shootings and you know and we talk about what happens on the national level you know it almost uh instigates you know at the local level and so but at the end of the day you're absolutely right bill it's you know you are that's where the rubber hits the road you are yeah. there you know the scrutiny is higher, potentially, in a way. You know, uh, I mean, of course, right. at, uh, on election day, yeah, everyone's on on a fairly level playing field, if you will, in a certain sense, anyway. But yeah, on a day to day basis, you know, it's a lot of work and, to be mayor, that's for sure. And, and there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of responsibility, but you know, there's also that expectation, and rightfully so. You know, we're I always say we're a, a community of seventy two thousand. You know, we're big enough to be called the city but small enough that everybody wants you at everything, expects you to be there, and rightfully so, you know, and because there is that responsibility that comes with uh, the job. Um, let's speak to some specific economic development issues. Um, I didn't want to spend too much time on the Paw Sox issue. Okay. It, it's, I know it's, it's, it's come and gone, but just addressing that now, I guess in the, in the post-Paw Sox era, what's, you know, what are your priorities? Obviously, Hasbro, there's been rumors that they're going to relocate, whether it's within the state or outside the state, whatever that may be. Um, but where are your priorities now? Because clearly it was on on the Paw Sox for, for at so least a good portion this, last year. Bill, there's a lot of priorities, right? And it's trying to balance through them, right? The Paw Sox to, seemed like it was, it was a major priority. Don't get me wrong. It was about economic development and the ancillary development was going to come with that. Having said that, you know, that one became so... 
um, important to everybody and so focused because of all the media hype. You know, they were a tradition here on Iowan, right? There was the po- political perspectives that were coming into that. So it was more of a high profile, uh, you know, as a high priority. It was a priority to us. So, you know, we, we have a couple of things that we need to deal with in the city. Um, we have, you know, the, we know that they're going to be gone in 2020. Their last season they're playing, they're going to be in Worcester, you know, as a reality check. It hurts emotionally. It hurts the fabric of the city. But everybody in the community did, you know, from our legislatures to our council to the mayor to did the best we could to try to make it happen. And it didn't happen. So now we have to move on. So we have to fill that void in that that area of McCoy Stadium. What does that become? Uh, We're working with the state. Uh, RFP or request for proposal will be going out to get other uses to see what venue may fit there or it may mean a total knockdown and we build something else on that. So that's where we are with McCoy. Um, the bigger challenge is, um, and, and we'll talk about priorities in a second, but the bigger challenge is, is that loss that we had from that ancillary development and that critical mass that would have generated in a new ballpark in our downtown and that's what our downtown needs is, you know, that, that critical mass. We've got some great uh, folks, like we were talking about the space here, uh, we have our old mill buildings, but you know, Pawtucket lacks that critical mass. We can't support enough of the restaurants. We have some great small restaurants, but we don't create that entertainment aspect, if you will, right? That destination, and that's what we're trying to do with that. So that's a big focus. Um, you know, another focus is uh, you know the Apex property on economic development. You know, it's privately owned. What becomes of that now? Right? It's been. Um, uh, vacant for uh, almost vacant for years, right? We all understand that that's a big attraction. It's a gateway project for us, a uh, property. What is that? And we're trying to work with the property owner. Uh, you know, in, you know, last year or so has been really challenging, as you said, we, but the Memorial hospital, you know, we, we have the city and, and, you know, for myself to the council and, and other members had no control over the closure of that. Uh, we did everything we could to fight for, keeping it open first. Uh, then it was a fight to try to get conditions to put on it as part of the closure and what the community needs were. Not just us, it was community that were out there, the residents. Um, that clearly, without this hospital, uh, there is clearly an impact on the system statewide. Um, you know, we've all seen the stories. We've heard the horror stories. You know, there's backlogs in the hospitals, in the emergency rooms. Um, so one of the big main focuses for us this year is to, uh, to work and, and get the state on board and create a, whether you call it a mini hospital, I'm sorry, a mini hospital is some one of the terminologies, they call them a treat and transport, but what it is is really an emergency room, right, that our residents can be served. It might not have 100 beds, it has a few beds, uh, but we're trying to work on that, and it's very difficult because the state law prohibits certain things, right? It, right. it allows the large, big hospitals, right, that are not successful, um, right. or, or the small ones, right, that, that are not successful because of numbers. And so you have to find a way. But at the end of the day, it's providing emergency services, you know, a, a level up, if you will, uh, I'd say an urgent care on steroids, if you will. Yep. Other communities are doing them. They call them mini hospitals. So there's models out there. I think we as a state and as a community need to, to take a look at that. And the Department of Health um, is working They've hired a consultant, uh, Jonathan Snow, as JSI, uh, to take a look at. uh, And that was one of the conditions that was put on the reverse CON at our request to take a look at what the needs are. Because it's all about data, right? Right. Unfortunately, it's about money and and these big organizations at times, you know, look at it, the bottom line. Can New England, 
Um, you know, they work hard. I mean, there are people that are up there working, but they have a model and they're trying to, you know, sell or, or, or partner with partners out of Massachusetts or sell off. So there's a bottom line that matters and it's not necessarily the community or the people at times. And, you know, we've had multiple meetings and we raise those issues. And again, you know, everybody thinks at the, uh, at a mayoral level that we have that control. It's really a state control. So, you know, we're trying to partner with, and people just say, why don't you take the gloves off, Mayor, and punch them in the head, you know? And you need to build those relationships and keep those relationships. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. So, you know, I think that, you know, the reuse of McCoy is important. It's more of a, you know, emotional tie. And I think something's going to happen there. You know, Apex we've talked about because Apex with our Slater Mill right there in the National Park, that will give us an opportunity, you know, for development. We've got our commuter rail coming in, and that's really a big project, which is in our downtown and we see the spinoff happening, so we're working with developers. I just was with an organization today, and we're trying to partner in them because that's where we know the next step of you know Pawtucket's uh, history will be in, in you know bringing new people in, right. uh, providing uh, affordable live space and workspace like we talk about. Yep. So those are priorities, uh, but the Memorial Hospital is a big one. And then it becomes, how do you move forward off of those, right? Because those are the day-to-day challenges. That's the stuff that takes, you know, all day and all, all our time, sucks up all in the air in the room. And it's important, don't get me wrong. And, and so it's hard to, how do you move forward, right? We have challenges. I've been there eight years now, and we've just finally been able to invest in, um, in, our, in our IT systems, in our financial systems. We're going through that change. You know, we've started reinvesting in our schools, right? We have a major problem that was identified, you know, eight years ago or so. It's trying to find that dollars and invest. We've invested in two new schools that have been renovated. We're taking advantage of the governor's, uh, uh, you know, uh, reimbursement and the state's reimbursement. And we're focusing on that. So, but again, everybody thinks the money's there to grab. We still need to pay for it, right? How do you balance trying to keep the taxes at a reasonable rate so people can afford to live in their homes and not be priced out and do those things? And another big challenge is really overall our infrastructure. Uh, you know, we've, like I said, we're dealing with the schools. We've done analysis. We, we've dealt with uh, our roads. You know, we've done an analysis. We know all the bad roads. We've paved in the last five years over uh, 50% of our roads. Uh, you know, and again, it's borrowing, investing. Um, you know, you're trying to do within the tax base that you have. And, you know, we're an urban district and we have our challenges. And then, and we also have uh, some of our old, like our fire stations that, you know, we've been band-aiding for 20 years. Uh, so we're trying to do those things and reinvest. But it really is the quality of life things. And it's making sure that people have their, feel safe in their environment. They have the right education. Um, you know, we have a great superintendent in the, in the school committee um, where, you know, you see this test scores that came out. Um, you know, why the dismal at best um, and the disappointing. It, it's a refocus. And we as a state need to do that. And I think a lot of the challenges is, you know, we have 39 cities and towns and great leadership in most of the communities. Um, and But we need to understand that we should be sharing a lot of things. You know, everybody gets concerned about talking about consolidation. We consolidated a few years ago internally um, with the schools and we're sharing IT directors. Uh, you know, we're sharing human resource folks. We did what private business had to do. Uh, not not probably enough or fast enough, And but those are the things we need to do. So it's really balancing. And then how do you move the city forward? And then the other piece that's really important is the community aspect of it because, you know, as I see it, and this is really challenging, 
is with social media. Uh, folks are out there and, you know, people can say anything they want or, you know, and do anything they want. And it disengages a lot of folks, right? It's a lot of negative. It's not really positive. So we're, we're doing some, uh, I say analysis, we're bringing some folks in, some consultants in to help us teach how do we reach our constituency better? How do we engage them more? Right. So they feel that they are because they're important. Right. I get elected every two years. It, you know, they matter. They really do. But they yeah. don't feel that they matter only at election time. Right. So, you Very know, those are the type of things. You know, how do you how, what do you do? Right. There's no right answer and there's no wrong answer. Right. But it's how do you do those things, Bill? Yeah. And it, they'll create that dialogue that's irrespective of politics. You know, it's just that pride for I mean, but talk is such a beautiful Topography. I mean, you've got the the river, and it's this wedge between the the Northwest Rhode Island and Providence, and you you know you have a distinct identity, and and it's you know it's just got so much history there that I think there is inherent civic pride. That's that you know you saw that with the Paw Sox issue, but yeah, I agree. If you could communicate that on a regular basis, you'd, I think you know, you'd we be do surprised. the news, we do the newsletters, right? We do the social media, right? But not everybody gets it. So, and I'm out, you know, I go out, um, at least, um, six times. Sometimes I'll do it 12 this year. I think we're doing a six. So I don't want to lie to you. Um, we hit each neighborhood. Uh, we have six districts in our community, uh, in our city rather, I'm sorry. And, uh, we do a neighbor, a mayor's night out in each one. Um, last year, I think we did one, one, we do at least one a year, you know, so I'm out there six times, you know, the office is always open, but people don't, as much as you say it, there's that, yes, yeah, sure, mayor, right? right. You know what I mean, like, and it is hard this time, but it's really engaging people from the community. And there are a lot of good things. We're investing in our parks, you know, and, and again, we, we've, uh, we're renovating our pain park, uh, in the Woodlawn section, we're doing a splash park, right? We're upgrading a lot of our facilities. So we're reinvesting in that. But there's still that apathy in a lot of ways that people, there's that expectation. And they should, they have, they're investing, right? They expect to have those things. But how do you engage them more? You know, and, and I think, though, to you, as you pointed out, there, there's that love for the city. You know, there's so many people that connect to our city. We need our opportunity, and we're doing everything we can to fight for it. Uh, but, you know, the commuter rail stop that, that'll happen in late 2020, early 2021, that is going to be, you know, I say one of the game changers. That's a big impact, even ways that we don't know or understand. You know, we've got vacant mill properties over there, uh, underutilized mills in that area. That commuter rail alone is going to make us, to your point, is even connecting more to the Boston market because we're less expensive here, even to the Providence market. You know, I was driving over here on my way here, Bill, and, and it's funny, I take it for granted. I'm going, all right, I'm already dreading back, heading back to Pawtucket, right? Because the traffic's it's, already backing it's up, to- right? Yeah, so yeah. That, that that transit, um, you know, they've the governor to one of her better appointments, um, you know, she has Director Alvidi there. She's yep. got some good appointments, and we don't always see eye to eye, but, you know, he's really focused in on infrastructure, right, roads and bridges, yeah. right, because it's been failing the system. Um, and But I'm really excited about her appointment of uh, former mayor of Warwick, uh, Scott Avedesian. Yes. And to Ripta. Uh, you know, that's important. Like, as we sit there and we, we work with Ripta and we're working with DOT on our transit oriented development it, there, there's an inter uh, model um, that, that's important there's a connection and they get it it's just trying to find the funds it's not something that you can just turn on a switch and it happens overnight it's all about how do you meet the pieces make this match and the Pawtucket uh, TOD Central Falls TOD you know I've got a great relationship with uh, our, our sister city or our brother city uh, in Central Falls and you know we understand that this commuter rail 
a stop is going to help economically uh, make them a lot more viable as well as us. So you have a benefit of the, in the Northern Island, two communities that are going to benefit from it. So we see that as an opportunity, but you have, you know, and again, I, if you've got more questions, I'm going to keep talking, but you know, you just, you've got your basic, you know, you have your zoning issues, right? You have your code issues, right? Uh, you know, there's still struggles, right? You know, we, we, you know, it's always about best practices and, you know, trying to put them in and, and the game changes and with the technology, right? Uh, you know, I'm just picking up my iPhone and I'm just learning one app and it's uh, no, it's already, you know, outdated by the time I understand it, right? So we, we face with those challenges um, and, and government is its own, uh, and I mean this respectfully, it's its own beast in a way. Uh, and it's, you know, it's difficult at times. And, you know, you mentioned the Paw Sox. That's a great example, you know, is something that was so right for Pawtucket and so right for the state or an island that there were so many other factors that took over, um, you know, and then, you know, there's all, there was negative comments, misinformation out there. And again, and, you know, the way it went, it went. I mean, we're not going to change that. Uh, but I didn't mention, and, you, and as I clicked on that, is, you know, Hasbro is another one, right? Hasbro is a private business, right? That's been in Pawtucket for years, you know, in centuries. And, and they were born here, right? You know, they're part of our fabric, just like the Slater Mill is part of our fabric. As a company, uh, and, and I understand that coming from the private uh, sector, they have every right to determine where they want to be and what their next move should be, right? Um, but what we're trying to do is bring attention from the state delegation down, you know, the governor and the speaker and the Senate president engage in, instead of trying to relocate them, let's try to work with them to build what they need around and keep them where they are, whether at that site or another site. I think that we could do that, right? It's easy sometimes to supplant. And um, so, but again, at the end of the day, they're going to do what's right for their company, and they should. But I'm trying to get them to realize, and we've had multiple conversations, and they're great people. You know, I want to be their biggest advocate that, you know, they did everything they could, and, and they stay, right? But if they can't, at least give us that opportunity. And and so, you know, with the Paw Sox leaving, there's that Memorial Hospital. It, it looks as though we're on this downswing, and we're really not. We've got so many of our small businesses that are successful. We have our we're talking about the Hope Artiste and they're putting in, you know, we've got that wonderful workspace and there's going to be 100, I think it's 140 units of live work there. And and so we've got these exciting communities. Um, there's a lot of development happening in our old mill buildings because that's what excites people now. We're investing in that. And this commuter rail and, and the intermodal uh, uh, connection with the Ripter is going to be, you know, it's going to be a hub. It's going to be exciting. And, you know, we just got to keep finding our way through and, Again, you know, each community is unique and, you know, Providence is a capital city. So everybody wants to be, you know, around the capital city. Um, you know, in Pawtucket is a, a, a city uh, with great people, great bones. Um, you know, we've seen uh, the change, you know, in, in the years that, uh, you know, previous years, but we're still a bedroom community in a lot of ways. We have, you know, people who have their roots there, you know, people who have owned their houses for years um, and care about our community and are involved in our community. And you try to balance the change that we need to to make sure that our city continues to be successful without overplaying it and losing your identity. Right. I mean, you're talking about a place that was so far ahead of the curve at one point in time, you know, in terms of the industrial revolution. I mean, this is like, you know, basic American history. But here you are again, you know, what seems like could be, a, like you say, a downswing. But in reality, you may just be shedding some outdated business models and practices. I mean, your new 
small mini hospital, as you see, maybe that's got telemedicine and some of the, the practices Absolutely. of the future. And now you're all, all of a sudden you're a leader. Right. And that's the and that's the crux, all right. But it all comes down to, and I hate to sound cynical, but it's all about the dollars, right? Yep. And as we're trying to bring new business in and, and there's only so much that the community can do, right? I cannot put an overburden on our taxpayers to invest in, you know, or over tax them so we can invest in some things, even though we need that, you can't do that. So it's that balance of getting it. So you're absolutely right. We have to, we're in the process of reinventing ourselves. Uh, we've, we've brought on a, a commerce director, Jean Boyle, uh, who is excellent at what she does. Um, you know, but the last year or so is spent on the poor socks, right? So all right. our energies were in that because we understood some people got frustrated and said, you know, you put all your energy in that and you let other things go. We, we were out there working hard, right? The poor socks got the attention because it was going to bring us that critical mass in our downtown as you look at studies. So, you know, she's great at what she does and we're meeting with business folks. We're bringing new business in. We're seeing a lot of development right now. There's a, a residential uh, model building and, you know, and then there's going to be a lot of opportunity with the commuter rail. So you balance that because what you don't want to do is, you know, make it where it's not affordable for folks like you and I. You know what I mean? There's got to be that affordability. Affordability. Sure, we're going to have a little bit of a higher end, right? And you're going to bring that up, and it raises the bar a little bit. You just don't want to go where you're outpricing it. And folks like us, you know, you, you think about it. You mentioned to me not not to share, but your wife, you know, being over at RISD, right? Yep. The, you know, you want to be able to fit that model. You want to have that flexibility, right? And you want to have that affordability. So, you know, Jeannie and the planning department, they're going to be very good at what they do. And they'll balance that. But we do need a lot of the support from the state. We do. There's no doubt. You know, people call it subsidy. It's not. We really need them, the support, as they've done in Providence. We always say there's a metropolitan area over here as well. So, you know, and and they are committed. Well, it's interesting. On the day of the Worcester press conference, the infamous Worcester press conference announcing that the the, uh – the Red Sox triple A affiliate was going there. I happened to be on the highway, and for whatever reason, I just went and drove out to the western hills of Cranston and just parked my car there, kind of overlooking Garden City, and just sat there and listened to that and thought about that's your state right there. You know, the division of power and influence has gotten out of control where, you know, you guys and your community have, you know, you, you don't have the same leverage that Providence does for some reason. Um, and that's just apparent to me on the outside looking in. I Good on you for fighting for it. You'll yeah, get there. And, and, and it's hot. And it's not, you know, and then people get frustrated and people get burnt out. But it's my job. That's what I was elected to do. And we want to protect, you know, not only what we have, but we want to see where Pawtucket's going to be in the future. Yeah, I have a good feeling about it. I know that the artist and music community has been super hungry on Pawtucket. News Cafe right down there. That's been a driver in terms of a night scene for a while, um, of bringing positive people together. It seems like, you know, the community, it's it, it, it may be, in, it, you know, not moving in one clear direction right now, but there's a lot of energy in different arenas beneath the surface, and right? you're absolutely right. I mean, you think about the artist community and the music community, right? And and we always say arts community, right? But the music is part of it and it's an important part of it, is they are, you know, I said it's like they've built the foundation. They are truly, there's a great organ, a great uh, group out there, and they've helped establish us as an identity, right? A place to be, right? And we know that's important. And we have an arts and cultural director. Um, you know, we're refocusing. We have our Pawtucket Arts Festival engaging. But what we need to do is we need to get out of this the structure or the same process. Uh, we're looking at 
potentially next year, not this season, but putting on another full-time person, um, you know, for focusing in on the arts, because uh, and, and music, and I don't, and in entertainment, that's important to us, right? We have that fabric. I always say it's like building a house. We've got these solid folks there that care about our community, excited about our community, right? Um, how do we build on that, right? And we recognize and appreciate because. They were the first ones in, right? They committed to our city, and they've helped change our community, right? We wouldn't be having a, a commuter rail stop potentially if we didn't have the bodies or the need, right? And right. so you're absolutely yeah. right. That's an important, important part. Living in New York, I'd see that, the, the progression of the train, and, and you know, you'd always be that fine line between gentrification and people living out of necessity on the artist side of things because they genuinely need the building for the work they're doing. You know, it seems like Pawtucket's right at that point now where – you know, it's not quite gentrifying. You know, you haven't gotten to the point where you feel like, oh, man, all these people are moving in from Boston and they're taking over the city. No, you, you haven't. And, 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 you know, one of the things that, that I think and the governor has capitalized on and we see in our communities is we do have a very uh, hardworking workforce. Um, you know, skill sets are there. Um, you know, and so, you know, what the challenge is, is, you know, a lot of the skill set was the old manufacturing world. And, and now this is an advanced manufacturing world. So, you know, what tools can we provide? The education, right? The, the, the technology increases. It's important, and I think that that's part of it as well. But you're talking about that. You want to raise everybody up just a little bit, right? But if you go too far and you get to the, the gentrification, you're absolutely right. We're going to be in trouble, right? Nobody feels that way, right? But people are concerned, and then there are some on one side that will say you're not doing enough, and others that are saying you're doing too much. And how do you balance that, right? How do you learn from all these communities that have become successful in a lot of ways push their folks out? How do you gain their success without losing your identity? and pushing those people out. And, and that's why, you know, we, we talk about having a commerce director, having a good playing. The city council is very good at that. You know, they're, you know, they're like, like us. Uh, you know, they're on the streets as well. They're in their neighborhoods. They're on the ground, and they hear these things. So it's a good balance. Last question. Absolutely. Uh, disc golf. I know yeah. it's, something you, it's something that I, was, I learned about when I was in high school. I had a gym teacher. I thought it was a great thing. So he taught us. It gave everyone discs to go out and play. But then I actually kind of rediscovered it this year. A buddy of mine got hooked and started getting very, very serious about it, traveling around New England. So I Googled and found that there was one. Slater Park. Slater Park. But then I found this story that there was controversy surrounding it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So give you a little bit, right? Now, I don't know how much time we have. Yeah, so, whatever. Yeah. so we have the disc girls out there. It's a great opportunity. Um, I, as you can tell, I need to do a little more exercise. But, but again, out there, I've been out there a few times. It is fun. It was something that you know I, I didn't understand. And we had the recreation director and the the DPW director at the time come to us with this idea of doing the disc golf. It was an inexpensive way to bring activity into, you know, the underutilized areas of Slater Park. Um, and so it was a great idea. Uh, we went out. Most people were in favor of it. And then when we put in the, uh, was it eight? I think we made it a 36 hole, um, but it was configuration of the 18 hole, the way they do it, the different uh, pads you throw from, right? So it was 18 of the, the baskets, if you will. And so what happened is uh, there was some of the neighbors and the residents in the area who felt uh, threatened that these people were coming into my neighborhood um, and felt concerned about it, right? It was close to their property. And so we tried to balance through, you know, the politics of it. We had the district counselor um, who does a great job advocating for his uh, folks uh, and some of the residents that were concerned. We tried to get them through that fear of this is not like something that people are going to be out 
partying, drinking, right? It's, it's a great activity. And it was new to us. And so what we ended up doing is compromising. Um, and we broke them down to instead of it being, again, it was 18 tees, uh, you know, uh, holes, if you will, or the, the, the baskets. I, they broke it down to nine. And then depending where you throw it from the pad, it, you get to use it as an 18 hole. Um, and so there was a lot of compromise. We pulled them away from the neighborhood. Uh, people felt, uh, we thought that we had done a good job in, in communicating, letting people know. But there was a swell, you know, and it's there were a few. And the residents that lived there, and I respected that, and the district councilor. And again, um, there was political agendas as well, you know, but there was legitimacy to their concern, <laughs> right? So I don't want to, yep. and, and so what we did was, is we broke it down, we t- turned it into an 18 hole, um, and it's very successful. Um, you know, we went and maybe, you know, maybe we go back there someday as we talk about that. I think that people got spooked, if you will. Maybe we went too fast to like to say 36, like it was something, it was no, instead of realizing this was a new concept and let's look at phasing it in, you know, we were hearing from uh, our recreation director and uh, uh, DPW guys and gals uh, that how important this was. And we were that model and it was going to bring in that activity because, you know, we've got a a lot of open space in there. We want people to enjoy it. Uh, We want the residents to enjoy it, but it's everybody's right to enjoy that open space. And again, so maybe we went so far to bring in all these holes and it spooked everybody out. So we, you know, we downsized it. It's been very successful. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say that there have been no concerns because I haven't heard any. We were worked through the political. Again, it got blown up, you know. And uh, so it, right now it's very successful. I know we have in, you know, hundreds of people that are visiting there. Um, they're treating it respectfully. They're taking care of it. Um, and, you know, they walk the pass out there. So it's a great way, you know, to enjoy themselves. And the conflict that I think people thought would be there, you know, that concern has been alleviated because we've had a great opportunity, a great experience with it. Disc golf diplomacy. So you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's all the time we have for this episode, but I'll be back with a brand new episode on Tuesday. Until then, I'm Bill Bartholomew. We'll talk soon. Discover the dozens of conversations I've had on the Bartholomew Town podcast with Rhode Island politicians, media members, artists, and beyond at BartholomewTown.com, ripodcast.com, or on Apple Podcasts.